This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, How are you? Wally. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, listen, it's pretty... A uh, lot of energy and chemistry in this uh, in this studio this morning. We got... Uh, we got former Raptors coach in studio with us, Butch Carter. Good morning, Butch. Good morning. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. And also in studio with us this morning, uh, former Washington Capitol, a former Toronto Maple Leaf, Lou Franceschetti. Good morning, Lou. Wally, good morning, everybody. Everybody's um, pretty spirited session uh, just prior to going on the air. There's a lot of a uh, lot of anxiety in uh, in this uh, in this studio and a lot of. Uh, a lot of testosterone, uh, fearsome foursome in this morning. But let's start off with the hot topic of the day, which is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, big win last night. Uh, first time we beat the hated Habs in over 14 games since early January 2014. Uh, another uh, superlative performance by Austin Matthews. Uh, overtime goal um, skill. Um, what else can you say, Naz? I'll turn it over to you. Um, interesting week for the Leafs, but an interesting game last night. Yeah, Matthews dominated again, and uh, the comparisons are being made today. Uh, who's better, McDavid or uh, Matthews? And I'm not so sure I would take McDavid. Oh that my way God, Naz, you're, you're always you're always you're always throwing it out there, and uh, you, you're not sure you would take. Anyways, you know what? I'll I'll, I'll agree that uh, it's it's a spirited debate and break it down for us. Why? Why well, would you even consider it? McDavid may be the better offensive player, but overall, in his own zone and size and that and strength, Matthews has it on him, and his skill level is almost as good. His hands are terrific for a big guy. He's got great hands, and what a shot he's got! A great release. I'm not so sure. Yeah, I, I would take McDavid over him. Lou, and uh, and after that, Butch, uh, I want you to, to uh, uh, we haven't had a chance to talk about the current edition of the Leafs with you, Lou, uh, since the season started. So tell us what uh, what you've seen so far and uh, where, where you see this uh, season going, what's impressed you, and if you want to chime in on this Matthews-McDavid debate that Naz uh, seems intent on stirring up, uh, this is your opportunity. I tell you the truth, I really haven't watched much of the Leafs games. But uh, from what I have seen is that I, I think we're going back to the to the 80s where you're seeing Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux comparison. Uh, two different style hockey players. I, I really like what the Leafs are doing right now. they got a lot of speed. they got a lot of talent. Um, do, I, do they have enough size? I really don't know. Uh, I think the Jersey game more or less showed a lot of the flaws that they do have. They're still really not... Uh, that strong on the on the back end, and Anderson really hasn't played as well as uh, as he had during his uh, 
two or three week or even a couple of months stretch last year. So there's going to be a lot of question marks for these guys. Uh, you're not going to win a Stanley Cup, even though we had the ring size the, the other night. <laughs> After the Ranger game. Well, I got, I've already purchased my uh, spot on StubHub for the parade, in case you're interested. Uh, uh, I'm, so I'm willing it, to negotiate its price as the season goes along. Yeah, Hopefully it, the price goes up. But. Uh, again, it's it's still early. Uh, let's see what they are at the 60-game mark. And then, uh, you know, this is a, it's a long haul for these guys, and we'll see if they can keep up uh, because they're not going to – creep up on anybody this year. Everybody's gunning for them. But you want to put, do you want to uh, throw uh, douse, uh, douse this fire with some water? What, uh, what's your assessment, my friend? Well, you know, when you get in these kind of discussions, you normally have to sober someone up. So, <laughs> well, no, I'm no, just I'm, curious, I'm, which, I'm, which, which of the three do you want to sober up? Like, I love Matthews for the leaves because of his personality and who he is as a person. But McDavid is the best pure talent in the whole league. No one's faster with the puck than him. Puck gets on his stick, you know, he's like an outstanding halfback running at the goaltender. And, uh, you know, I would think that uh, both teams are very happy to have their individual talent. But, again, hockey's such a tough sport because of the shifts. You know, it's not just one player. You know, it's, it's three having three great shifts. You know, what do you look like on the back line? And, uh, you know, the Leafs are going to be vulnerable on the back line. Um I think they know that, and uh, the cap is not allowing them to do what they'd really like to do is go go buy the best two two or three of the best defense defenders. So, um, you know, their puck possession is better. But, you know, they they have a very old, wise coach, you know, and, and he doesn't want to be in these shootouts. And they continue to put themselves in, uh, in shootouts. And Matthews doesn't have a lot of control on that because it's a team sport more than any sport. It is an overall team sport, you know, outside of, you know, football probably. So on the number of people that you need to have value. But, um, you know, Nas likes to start a debate, you know, so we throw a little cold water on that. But the individual talent, in my mind, I, I said that, you know, I would go see that young man in Edmonton. I would pay to go see him skate. He is because uh, he's going to do something that hasn't been done. Where the Leafs have been historically being poor as a team, uh, the whole young group is outstanding, but I don't think they're where the coach thinks they'll be in a couple of years. Yeah, and I'm just uh, chime in on this Matthews McDavid debate. Uh, I don't, you know, um, you know, I think they they're two different players, and they, and they bring two different skill sets. Uh, McDavid has a he's the most exciting player. Well, I don't know how far you went. Ovi Ovechkin Crosby. He's exciting. He's he's probably to me. He's the most exciting player since Bobby Orr. Can you make that argument, Lou? I mean, he's got he's got jets. He's got a gear that I've never seen before. Uh, and when he gets the puck, I don't know if you saw that that goal he scored uh, last week. I can't as Calgary. Calgary. I mean, he 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 just in in four steps he can take and he just takes he just you, you know when he gets the puck and he's in full speed. Uh, it reminds me of hockey in the '60s and '70s. So you, you rarely see, he's he's got the ability to skate away from checkers that nobody's had. That that coaches have been able to stifle that for the last 10, 15, 20 years, and he just brings people out of their seats. It just it's it's a phenomenal display. It really it is. The only thing he has, you know, I think one of the greatest players is Mario. 
but Mario was so big, but he could stop on a dime because he learned, you know, he didn't have to outrace him, that he needed to stop and get a better but angle. But he could outrace you. That's correct. He, he could, could outrace you. He could you. outrace you. But, uh, I mean, remember that goal Mario Lemieux <laughs> scored where he, t- he Ray turned Bork, Ray Bork, Bork inside out? Yeah. I mean, it was just, I mean, I looked at it three times. I go, that's Ray Bork. And he made him look like a peewee hockey player. Uh, my comparison, I don't know where Matthews ranks in it, um, and it's obviously it's early to tell. Uh, but he's, you know, the goal he scored last night in the, the was, two goals he scored. The, 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 the second the, the, goal, but the first, first goal, uh, Lou. I don't know. You didn't, you didn't watch the game last night. Watch the highlight of this goal because he does something uh, really, really, and I don't. You know, these guys are operating at such a high mental rate of decision-making. I'm sure he didn't think about it. It came natural to him. He changed the angle of his shot right at the last second. Um, Carey Price was expecting the shot to go uh, stick side. Is that where he stumbled? Uh, and and no. And then he he switched the blade on his stick, like, instantaneously... And fired it on the other side, and it's just I'm I'm looking at that, and didn't mean anything to me the first time I saw it. And I think one of the commentators was it Cherry or McLean made the comment at the end of the period. Some one of the commentators uh, made the comment, couldn't believe what he just did, and th- and that's hockey at an incredibly high level. And he's what a 20 year old kid. He just 20, turned 20. Just turned 20. Um, yeah. and he's big, and he hasn't filled out yet. Um, uh, and he's fast. Right, he's sneaky fast. He's 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 a lot faster than he looks. So um, we were worried about the sophomore jinx. Uh, he's five goals in five games, two last night. Um, man, he's the real deal. He's really the real deal. Um, sophomore jinx. Uh, we were worried about Butch. Um, uh, anything to that? No, I, not I, not I, with respect to Matthews, but. No. The issue, the issue at the end of the day is it goes to uh, the core of the coaching, right? The coaches know that, you know, you have to continuously develop your players. And it's more mental after the first year, right? The adjustments that a player has to make are, are the mental ones. And the, pl- the young players that get hurt are they don't make the mental adjustments, right? You know, again, you, you turn the puck over and you're in, right? That's, that's mental. Right, so if puck possession is so important in the new in, in the new hockey going forward, a defenseman that can keep the puck on his stick and deliver it, you know, on the offensive end, you you've got a tremendous advantage. But it's it's mental. So, you know, one of the things you have to do is not just you know is he getting his workouts, but let's go through all the scenarios where there was a mental mistake. And it looks like their staff and someone on their staff with their young guys has been doing that, and. You know, I always said the tough part for young players is the sooner that you know if they mentally can make the adjustment, the better off every organization is. This whole thing where people believe where we're just going to put them out there and let them let their ice time or their playing time go in abundance and we'll figure it out. In my opinion, it doesn't work because the sooner you know if they're going to go forward or they're not, the better off it is as far as the value of the franchise. If they can't do it, you need to cut bait and let them go and bring someone in and give them an opportunity because there's nothing like an athlete, hockey player, basketball player, football player, that is starving for an opportunity because he normally will not let it get away. And clearly Matthews, they identified Matthews a long time ago as, as something special mentally and physically. And I don't, I don't think he's going to disappoint. I think he went through his disappointment last season 
you know, I remember he got out to a great start, you know, the four goals, and then he kind of, you know, teams start figuring it out. And I guarantee he went away during the spring and summer and said, you know, I got to clean this up. And, you know, it's to his credit. Now, when you have a player take that kind of responsibility, it's a lot easier to coach. So they coach less of him, and now they can coach coach more. There, of the, there's an issue in Edmonton right now with McClellan and uh, and McDavid. McClellan threw him under the bus in an inter, in a in and a chair and Cherry was talking about last night. He was talking and about they're not playing corner. well. I wonder what happens with McClellan. No, he ain't gonna lie. <laughs> you know what? The the fastest way and and uh, fastest way for a coach to get fired nowadays is you pick on your franchise player. I mean, uh, no, the I, franchise, I the, franchise <laughs> the NHLs, him and Sid yeah. are the two the two marquee players in the NHL. I don't see any possible scenario where McClellan wins uh, wins. I mean. You know, there is a scenario where McClellan wins: is that the kid accepts that the coach is telling the truth, and he yeah. and he changes, right? So, but why do that? You know, why why call out? Um, you know, no question, a coach has got to he, he's got to enforce a certain level of respect, a certain level of discipline. Um, but don't you do that in the locker room or in your office? Why do you do it on national television? The, the issue at the end of the day is that his job is to, to challenge all the players, and he has a platform. And if they decide, you know, we're not going to do this publicly anymore, okay, but it all starts with, you know, he, he can't have a conversation with him until the young man learns to talk talk back to him. And maybe he's talked to him privately and he's not talked back to him. But I can remember, you know, one of the – I kept trying to get to aggravate one of my better players. And finally, one day in practice, he yelled back to, at me. And I laughed and walked away and said, now we're finally communicating. Because there is a responsibility that McDavid had that's far beyond just being a normal player. And, you know, the coach took the chance. But if he doesn't correct it, he's going to lose anyway. At least he's smart enough to say, you know, let me say something. If, he, if he's got the kahunas to say it. All right, and live with it, and hopefully it'll get corrected. I think a prime example was in the mid-'90s when uh, Scotty took over the Detroit Red Wings, and he walked into a team with every single year they were in the top two or three in, in points, but they could never get over that hump. And Steve Eiserman was scoring 130 to 150 points, and he came in and put the, uh, put the noose around his neck and he said, Stevie, do you want to win a championship? And Stevie said, yes, then you've got to do it this way. And he actually realized it, that he, t- he had started playing the – 200 feet of the ice, and Brett Hall the same way. Brett Hall was a, you know, he, everybody knows Brett Hall is the only one-way hockey player until he, Scotty got a hold of him, and then he understood that if you play, if you play the full uh, 200 uh, feet of the ice, you're going to get succeed a lot more than you are if you only get 140 points and you get knocked out in the first or second round. Anyways, we've uh, hold that thought. We'll uh, we'll come back to it, and uh, we'll be right back after the break. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville brought back the large five-topping pizza special for just $13.99 for a limited time. I'm whispering because the last time Pizzaville brought back this special, there was pandemonium in the streets, pushing, shoving, biting. So order now and order often, and hopefully you won't have any bite marks when this is over. Call Pizzaville for the large five-topping pizza special at pound 3636 from your cell phone. Shh. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. 
The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000 square foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740, simulcasting in downtown Toronto on 96.7 FM. And live streaming at www.zoomerradio.ca. Heated discussions this morning. We've got Lou Franceschetti and Butch Carter in studio. Like I said, a lot of testosterone flying around the studio this morning in a heated debate during the uh, during the break. So why don't we follow up with that debate? Uh, the comment or the statement was made that, uh, Butch, you said that absolutely uh, the Edmonton coach, McClellan, uh, had every right to say what he said publicly, depending, uh, hopefully he had had a private conversation. If his star wasn't doing what he was told, yeah, he's got to call him out. And um, Lou, you made the uh, assessment that there's only two coaches in the league that could get away with something like that, Mike Babcock and Todd McClellan. I find that a bit of a stretch that you're putting McClellan in the same category as Mike Babcock. You want to expound upon those thoughts, Lou? Well, one, Todd McClellan coached under Babcock in Detroit. So he got a lot of things. And you look at the teams that, uh, that he had in San Jose. They had great regular seasons, but they, just, they could just ne- never get over the hump. And I'm thinking right now that with McDavid being the, the local or the focal uh, face of the National Hockey League right now, he can more or less see what kind of bu- buttons he can push uh, with him. They brought in all the supporting cast he wants. So now it's all going to be up to him. Why do you think Taylor Hall got traded? I think the reason was that him, him and Babcock never got along. And that's, him and McClellan. Him and McClellan. Yeah, oh, sorry, McClellan. Him and McClellan never really got along. And McClellan probably went up to uh, the GM and said, listen, we've got to get him out of here if we want to move to that next step. And, and that's exactly what happened. It's, it's not that sure they got a right-handed shot defenseman because Taylor Hall is a great piece to, to compliment uh, McDavid. It was just a situation where McClellan had to have the full uh, full focus of the hockey team, knowing that he could pull whatever strings he wants. It's just like Babcock here. Babcock, the first year he came in, he benched uh, Van Riemsdyk, he benched Lupel after coming off the great years that they had. And he said, guys, listen, I don't really care. 
I'm here for the long term. You're not. You're going to play it my way, or you're not going to play at all. And they were and they were taken off the power play, uh, Mike's first year. Lupul and Van Riemsdyk are not Connor McDavid. It, it's all irrelevant, but they were. <laughs> you, they Butch, were. They you, were. Are at there that special time. rules for stars? Are yeah, there special rules for yeah, stars? Special, what, what can a star get special, away with that another special, player can't get away with? There are special rules for stars when they play like stars. And so the issue at the end of the day is that they're all pups, right? And some of them grow up, some pups grow up. But if you're a star, you know, the, the issue at the end of the day is that the head coach really shouldn't have to bother you at all. You, ha- you go from being a pup to a professional. And McClellan, in my opinion, you know, He's been there. He's done it. He knows how to do it wrong. A lot of times you take a coach and you put him with a talent like McDavid, and he's never been in a situation where the team wasn't fully committed and he had a star. So he's been there, as Lou said, with what he went through in San Jose. And if you've got an issue with young players, you need to get hit it right in the head early. And because somebody on TV said, well, he shouldn't have done that, well, they do that all the time. right? That's why they're on TV. They get every week. They say a coach or a player should have done this or that. So, at the, the end of the day, the head coach and a, and, a, and a young man will sit down and with the agent, and they'll work it out. The first uh, game back after the statement that was made, they they got bombed six one by Ottawa last night. So, how how, how long do, does this take effect for? The interesting part you about know? this is, I mean, we're sort of removed from from the situation because Edmonton's way out there. With all due respect for people in Edmonton. Um, and we're sort of, we sort of really don't know what's going on out there on a day-to-day basis. But I, what I find astounding about this is that um, he didn't name Connor McDavid by name, but it was pretty obvious who he was talking about. But Connor McDavid has no reputation whatsoever that I'm aware of and anywhere in his hockey history of having pissed any coach off. Uh, he, he's, he, from everything that, you, you, you know, he's been in part of the Toronto minor hockey system since he was like nine. And Lou, and Lou, and you're close to the Toronto minor hockey system. Maybe you know something I don't. But he, he's always been perceived to be this good kid that, that uh, you know, stars are stars. They have egos. I get it. But no reputation whatsoever for being a coach killer. Go ahead. Do you, you, got, you got something to say? Do you really want to know what goes on in the GTHL system? Well, you, not, I, 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 know, I, I, I know what goes on in the GTHL system. What I'm talking about is Connor McDavid. But I'm just saying, would you, if you're the coach of the Marlies, would you want to piss him off? You can do whatever you want. There are players that are getting so many bad habits at, at, that, at the minor hockey league level. Yeah. And I'm not putting McDavid. I'm generalizing here. Yeah. Okay, I'm not going to put uh, McDavid in, in the forefront here. Okay, there are so many guys that get away with so many things. They can do whatever the hell they want. Excuse my language. But it, it, it's just that because they don't want to lose that player. You're telling me if you, if you bench one of those guys for one single shift, their parents are down your throat, and the next year with the, with the legislation as, as they have it in, the, in minor hockey, you can leave the next year. They're gone to another system where, they're gonna let, where you can do whatever you want, and they know that they will be the focal point of that. Uh, of that team and that uh, organization. Let, let me get us back on track, right? So I had a very good young player, right? Awesome person. Better person than he was a basketball player. Yeah, tell us who he is. Right? Vince, right? Okay. Vince struggled with being a star, right? And people never understood. So I basically had to aggravate Vince all the time. 
you know, hey, Vince, Kobe going to send a limo over here to pick you up. Make sure you come to the game tonight because he's got <laughs> something for you. All right? He, d- he did not wear that mantle very well. And, you know, it, throughout, throughout his career, that that has shown. He, you know, he did not want to be the super superstar. And so this is the challenge that you have with a young player. All right? Everyone thinks you get a young player, he's talented. Well, he's, in basketball, he's supposed to be Michael Jordan. Well, Michael Jordan on his own was a ferocious competitor. All right. Vince was not that ferocious competitor unless you aggravated him. And I learned from being the oldest of younger kids, I'm pretty good at aggravating young, talented people so that they lock in and get it done. I believe that's all you have with Connor. He's talented. We don't argue his talent level. The issue is do more. All right. The six goals last night, Ottawa, Ottawa swept the Western trip. They won yeah, three they, games, they right? They Calgary so the night before. They're playing well. And, and he doesn't play goalie. So he can't stop the puck from going in. But the issue is his overall growth and expansion of his leadership piece. And that's what I believe, you know, McClellan was a, you know, he's a a Babcock disciple. So he's learned, you know, you can't be afraid of the horses. But, you know, the issue at the end of the day is there's nothing. As he said, the way the system set up, it wouldn't have shown up that anyone else asked him to do anything but score a bunch of goals. All right, and now he's being asked to be more rounded, and we hear it all the time from Babcock. Got to play both ends. All right, you got to spend more energy, and I believe that's all it was. And you know, I don't believe it's I don't believe it's a big deal. It may manifest itself that the team plays poorly for a while until they make the adjustment, but you know I think that you, as a coach, if you do not challenge them to the greatest challenges, which are going to be other great teams and other great individuals. You leave your your team vulnerable to losing. Anyways, go ahead. Want to talk we'll about, wrap up this talk about Montreal a bit and Carey Price? He signs a seven year contract for over ten million dollars, and he's playing awful right now. And um, I don't think that team's going anywhere because I don't think you can afford to pay ten million dollars for a goalie because it makes you weak everywhere else. And <coughs> I, Montreal is not going to make the playoffs. Lou. You want to I chime in on you that? Know what? I, I can't say anything more than that. Uh, they didn't want to lose Carey Price for nothing at the end of this year. And they couldn't. And they, and they, and they could couldn't be, because Mark, Mark Bergevin would have been... Uh, he would have been toast. He would have been toast? Yeah, I mean, I think every general manager in the NHL nowadays, when they've got a star in their prime, uh, they've got no choice but to sign him. Yep. Uh, cite me the example where a star in his prime has left and signed... Somewhere else, especially with all the accolades and uh, and, right? uh, and awards that uh, that Carey you Price. You can. I mean, that's why they yeah. had to sign Subban for for nine point two million dollars. Not because he was worth nine point two million dollars. He couldn't. He couldn't. Uh, he couldn't afford to have him run out. Of, he couldn't afford to lose him without getting anything for him. Yeah. You, you, and that's why. At the end of the day, that's why they signed Dion Phaneuf here and Phil Kessel for that kind of money. You, you don't let your stars go. You pay them whatever you have to pay them. Unfortunately, but, but that's, let's, let's let's not put Phaneuf and Kessel in the same. No, uh, I mean, it, as, I, no, uh, I'm not. Price. I'm not suggesting that anywhere near the caliber of, of of the other guys, but they didn't want to let those guys leave without getting anything in return. Well, you, you could have probably got for, let's not get into... And then hopefully uh, if you sign Kessel. them for too much, hopefully you can get rid of them and trade them. Well, you could have traded Phaneuf. Get something trade, for them, could right? Have, you could have traded Phaneuf and Kessel at the trade deadline before he went into the free agency because the Leafs weren't going anywhere with or without them. They hadn't given up on them no, yet. That was Car- the Carey Price is a little bit this different situation here because he's the final cog here. 
Uh, if he still uh, has a reputation for yeah, being the best goalie in the world. How do you let the best goalie in the world leave? You're absolutely right. And he's the one that took you to first place two years ago before he got hurt. Right. And then the next year he got hurt one month into the he's season. Playing, he's playing. And you realize what, you know, what he, he was. He, I mean, you could tell last night. I mean, he's not the Carey Price that we've seen. But you know what? He's gonna... Let's put something in front of him. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, let's put yeah. something in front of him. Uh, that can do a little bit of damage instead of what he's got right now. Because he, it's right now, I, if I were him, I'd be really pissed off if Montreal I, hasn't. I, I uh, want to move on to some other topics uh, above and beyond hockey. But before we leave hockey, Butch and Lou, really quickly, since we have you here, uh, what's the upside for the Leafs this year? How far could they possibly go? I'll follow you, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really think it's going to come down to uh, who they draw. Uh, they'll probably end up in second or third. Uh, Tampa's playing really, really well, uh, and injuries are going to have a lar- large part to do with, with this year. Um, and again, we're going to have to wait if the sophomore jinx hits some of these players. It, it, they got great depth, and they got great speed. Um, fix the rear end, and hopefully Anderson will, will come up. Uh, I could see them getting to the final four. Uh, if everything, you it, certainly see them as a playoff team. I, I definitely do see them as a playoff team um, because they got so much. They got so much firepower there. They've just got to clean up their own zone. Butch, I agree, I agree with him. The issue, the issue at the end Hold of the on, day you agree is, with Lou. Yeah, I agree. Is, that, is this on tape, guys? Okay, go I, ahead. I agree. <laughs> I, I agree with Lou. I mean, it's pretty simple. I mean, we haven't played enough games. You know, we don't we don't have a fair amount of, amount of games. Injury is always a priority. All right, injury changes the destiny of teams. I think the only team from last year that I don't think is a playoff team is probably the Rangers. So, you know, I don't know who... Let, re- let's assume, we talk about upside here, let's assume that they don't uh, suffer any significant injury troubles. Um, what's, the, what's the ultimate upside of this team? You would get to the conference finals. That would, that would be, you know, but again, you know, who is Anderson, right? That's what it's going to boil down to. Who is Anderson and then, you know... I think they got to figure out what they're going to do with Van Riesdyk on, on re-signing him. And, and Bozak, and you look at the division they're in, Tampa, Ottawa, Toronto. One, two, three, I'm not sure in what the, in what order they're going to be in, but it's going to be a hell of a first series if they go up against Ottawa because a lot of hatred, and Ottawa's playing hockey the old-fashioned way. They're being physical, and they're taking care of business. And you look what they did last year with, uh, they were one goal away from knocking off Pittsburgh. It's really changed, though. The, uh, the West is not as strong as the East now. The East is much stronger. I took a look at the standings today, and uh, all the points are in the East. Well, the realignment, you know, kind of, you know, that people thought, you know, you move one team or two teams, but it does make a difference. And you, you get you got to get lucky, you know. The, the East has got some young guys that they've drafted, you know, and I think if you took the top ten draft picks over the last three or four years, most of them are in the East except for McDavid. So um, teams are doing a better job. You know, uh, I hope Montreal doesn't make the playoffs ever. Um, I think they've been mismanaged. You know, you, can, you can't just hold, let yourself be held hostage, but you've got to sign one guy. You've got to sign one guy. At the end of the day, when you're supposed to be a hockey mecca, it's about the team. And uh, now they're going to be in a situation I'll be willing to bet in 60 days. It'll be, you know, who do you trade Carey Price to? So in a total rebuild, but Bergeron made the bed. He's got he should have to sleep in it. <laughs> the Rangers are in the same situation with Lundqvist. He's a, he's got a big contract and he's not playing well either. And they're in the same boat. And I don't think the Rangers are going to make it either. 
Uh, well, certainly, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, just before we got a few minutes before we go to break, and uh, before, when you came in, Lou, this morning, you came in with uh, a little bit of anger because uh, we started talking baseball. I want to talk baseball about five minutes before we go to the break. And uh, you're not wearing your Yankees cap, I noticed this morning, Lou. So um, you know, it was an inc- uh, honestly, it was a it was an exciting baseball game to watch yesterday. It was in some ways baseball at its finest. Two pitchers, Verlander, you know, they're calling it, uh, you know, a game for the ages. I'm not so sure I would go that far. But, you know, it's rare to see an ace pitch, you know, a nine-inning a nine complete game nowadays. In the old days, they do they used to do it all the time. I mean, you know, we grew up on Bob Gibson and Sandy Koufax and, and uh, Don Drysdale and uh, Whitey Ford and some of those guys, uh, uh, Vita man, Blue. and Man, uh, you're old. <laughs> hey, Butch. Let's go to Zoomer Radio, my friend. Let's go to Catfish Hunter. It's a Zoomer Radio, my friend. Catfish Hunter and Ron Gidry, okay? Anyways. Whitey, Whitey Ford was in the bullpen for the Yankees yesterday. Whitey, Whitey Ford. <laughs> I don't know how I'm even going to come back after that one. But, uh, Lou, uh, you, you, you calmed down a little bit from, uh, from, from earlier when we were talking about the Yankees. Um, you know, the Houston, uh, they've run up against the, looks like a, a juggernaut having to face those two aces in games one and two. Uh, Yankees going to turn this one around, Lou? I don't know. <laughs> that's it, not that's not uh, the right answer, Lou. No, they, no. This is uh, this is a, sports talk radio. You're they, supposed they to have were, an opinion. Okay. They were in both, they were in both games. Uh, obviously, the, the pitching has <laughs> taken over in in the series. Uh, we got great, four great efforts from uh Tanaka, Severino, even though got, Severino got hurt, you got the Yankees' bullpen. Uh, Verlander was, as you said, uh, a game of the ages last night. But they were in both games. Last night, uh, it was execution. Uh, the first game, execution again. You're, you're sending a guy that's very slow afoot around third base, taking a chance that the, the play has to be perfect. The play was perfect. He nailed him at home plate. It would have been a tie game. Last night, again, execution. Aaron Judge does not realize that uh, Jose Altuve is going to go third. So he takes his time, gets the ball, and throws the ball in. Not like a gun, more like a He was BB lobbing gun. it. Yeah, he, he was, was lobbing, lobbing it. it. Then all of a sudden, he puts all the... Mind-boggling. Yeah, he puts all the, the emphasis on uh, on Didi to get the relay into, um, into Sanchez at home. And that's exactly where it happened. The, the Houston Astros were a little bit more aggressive last night uh, in that last inning than the Yankees expected. And and it cost the Yankees. Now the Yankees are gonna are gonna have to go back into Yankee Stadium and hopefully take three, and we'll see where it goes. They know they have to go back to Houston to win at least one. So their we'll, pitching we'll has held up though. You know the Yankees haven't played badly against no, Cleveland. They it, played really well it, too. It's been two great Don't games. count them out though. Don't count them out. They're going back to home field advantage. And uh, Verlander was a big pickup for. Uh, Houston, he what did he throw? hundred close to one hundred and thirty pitches yesterday. One hundred twenty-four. Yeah, yeah, so that's I haven't seen that lately in the majors. One hundred twenty-four pitches. Houston's better players have played a lot better than Yankees' better players. Altuve, Correa. What, what can you say? Judge Sanchez. <laughs> like I said, they're both like they're, they're strikeout machines. I, I know. <laughs> I know it's just unbelievable. They were down two nothing against Cleveland. That's well, and they, they came around. back. Uh, but yeah, you but you're know, not putting going. Cleveland in the same shoe as uh, Houston here. Well, no, not, we'll see you, what happens. You, no, you can't, guys, because yeah. Houston plays with an urgency. Yeah. All right. You got to remember why the whole all these Houston young guys have been coming up. 
they've been hammered about the great organizations are Boston, the Yankees, right? They killed Boston. Houston killed one. They went into Fenway and played like it was their home field, right? And so I believe that Houston's going to go to New York, and they're not going to be intimidated by anything. Those, those, their leadership or their guys, you know, they, they played small ball. They had one opportunity to win the game. They took the risk on it. And all the things you had to do, as he mentioned, Judge threw a ball to D.D. that bounced to get to him, right? You're six foot seven. You can't throw the ball 200 feet. You gotta be kidding. I, I think he just had a mental lapse. He just, I think he just forgot what was going on on the field. Well, he didn't, and there's no he, other explanation. He, he didn't realize that he got the ball before it hit the fence. That Altuve wasn't going to go around third base. It's just like a Pete Rose play. That's right. <laughs> the, the issue is Altuve realized yeah. that they yeah. had one chance yeah. to win. Yeah. Take and it. That's it. And yeah. if, he got, if he got thrown, he still had somebody that's coming right. up behind yeah. him and a guy at, at second base. Now. But Houston doesn't get there. You look at the drafts that Houston has had. They've been probably the the worst team in baseball for seven of the last eight years. They come up with Correa. They've come up with Springer. They've come up with Keuchel. They've come up with uh, a kid, Apple, I think, that yeah, they, they could sure. sign, that Cleveland drafted in the first round uh, the year after. You know, we're, we're talking here a team that's been – in the bottom three or four, even five teams of baseball for the last at least seven or eight years, and they've, they've, I guess the the fruit is starting to come out right now with all the young kids that are that are playing up to their capabilities, because of where they were drafted. So it maybe sometimes it is nice to be end up in the bottom four or five, to to get those franchise players to bring you back up to the top. I'll tell you who is excited about uh, these baseball playoffs right now is the is the TV networks yeah. uh, having yeah. having having LA, Chicago, Houston, uh, Houston and, and New York. And, and New York. They, they've got four cities that have over 4 million people. The top 4, yeah, the, the top apparently four, the top 4 biggest markets in the in the entire United. And Obviously, I didn't realize Houston was that large, it's but the fifth largest city. Yeah. In, in and then how lucky are the Cubs to get in? Washington just blew up. <laughs> it was brutal. Yeah. Like some of the stuff that goes on, right? It's uh... so certainly, uh, you know what? Baseball uh, at this time of year becomes becomes exciting, and um, you got four uh, four exciting teams to watch. So, uh, Lou, we'll certainly keep an eye out for the New York Yankees. Um, if, uh, if somehow they turn it around, we'd love to see you uh, back in studio with your Yankee cap on. Uh, Yankees and Dodgers, and the would make one hell of a oh. World Series. Well, how about Yankees and Cubs? And that every my Yankees and Dodgers, Koufax, Mantle, Maris. He's going back again. I'm old, Butch. No, I mean, Ford. I think I think one of the most uh, one of the nicest things I heard when the Houston game was Verlander said that he understood the presence of Nolan Ryan in the building, and you know, young guys don't normally connect to the older guys, but uh, having that kind of respect for you know a true Hall of Fame baseball player. Uh, you know, when you're when the spotlight is on you, I thought that was really impressive. And I think, you know, the fact that Houston went and got Verlander from Detroit was for that game. And it's nice to see a team make a transaction and it works out for them uh, to their benefit in, in any sport. You're listening to the Nazawali Sports Hour in the house today. Lou Franceschetti and Butch Carter will be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville realised that people may not know how many different kinds of ponzos Pizzaville makes. You can go Italian if you like a sausage. You can go Hawaiian if you like ham and pineapple. And you can go Canadian if you like bacon, beer and hockey. 
we can build a ponzo that speaks your language. No matter where you are from, call Pizzaville at 736-3636 or visit pizzaville.ca. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. Woodbridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. He, just, he wanted to determine his own. Good morning. Before. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. In the house, as I said, uh, Butch Carter and Lou Franceschetti. Uh, it's time to talk a little bit of basketball. There's another local team that starts its schedule this week. That, of course, is the Toronto Raptors. And... Uh, Hope springs eternal. There have been some changes in the NBA over the uh, course of the uh, of the summer and uh, maybe some changes this year. Uh, Butch, give us a little lowdown on the Raptors. What can we expect? Where are the improvements? Uh, any new weaknesses? Give us, give us your overall assessment of what we can expect from the Raptors and what we should look for. Well, the gold standard in the Raptor franchise is the 15-16 season. And, and they won 56 games. They won 32 home games. Um, I think they had 10 wins in the playoffs. So the issue at the end of the day is they've historically shown shrinkage between their two all-stars in the playoffs. So um, the team, I believe, has not been the same for two reasons. They lose Biombo, who's a high rebound per minute guy and he doesn't need to shoot the basketball uh, to free agency. That was a risk they took when they signed him, um, and they've not had that energy on the on the back end. Um, they have moved some people around. Uh, some of their veteran guys have gone because of the salary cap and wanting to, to re-sign Lowry to a three-year deal. So they have some risk to injury, as Lowry was injured with his wrist last year. But I really think that it all started, their fatigue from last year started because their two all-stars played in the Olympics. And so it made for a very long summer, you know, very long summer for those two guys and then coming back and to carry the burden of leadership during the regular season. So 
I would like to say we can throw out last season because of the length of, of uh, practices that their two guys had to go through. Uh, this year, uh, I think they want to expand their offense. I do believe that they've used their D-League, their, their, uh, their minor league team the right way. Uh, Stackhouse has shown leadership down there with them, uh, but their young guys played. The issue at the end of the day is can the young guys go to playing with the franchise and be successful? Uh, it's never easy for any team to do that. Um, Casey has been stellar in his leadership and managing, um, you know, 12 guys for them. Um, you know, can the coaching staff be better? The only way they can be better is, is in the development of the young players through skill, not through time. Um, I believe that the Raptors have always, always fallen short because of a lack of skill when they played really good players who could match their talent. So they're very lucky. Jimmy Butler's gone from the East. Paul George is gone from the East. Those are two teams that were a, a pain for them. Uh, Wade is in Cleveland uh, with LeBron, so that will that will be a problem. Kyrie Irving uh, is with a very young team in Boston. Uh, Kyrie's a problem individually, has been historically for for Lowry, but I think that you know they're moving towards. Uh, they need to maintain their home court win percentage that they had in 15-16, and they have a chance to be a very good team and play to get to the conference finals. Uh, the new player, Miles, what do you think of the pickup? The, the issue at the end of the day is I, I really don't care what he does during the regular season. Uh, Miles, you know, he'll make the three-point shot, but who in that devil is he going to guard? You know, so when it gets to the playoffs uh, – He's not a left-hand player that puts the ball on the floor and causes confusion. It's basically catch and shoot. So everybody's going to shoot more threes. The issue isn't shooting threes. It's making threes. And um, so, you know, there's a reason the Pacers traded him. You know, it's not like, you know, they, they lost Paul George, so why would you give up another offensive player? So it's always buyer beware, all right, in all trades. It's always buyer beware. Um but he's not a defensive juggernaut. Uh, they need to be better defensively. You know, the the empirical formula in my mind is point differential. You know, you score more points than the other team. Defensive field goal percentage uh, has to be low because that gives you more more chance. And then what we call true field goal percentage, free throws, two-point shots, and three-point shots. So they're, I believe they're trying to get a better blend. DeMar DeRozan has been an outstanding basketball player for the Toronto Raptors here for the last four seasons. And we have to, you know, hopefully they'll manage his time where he doesn't become fatigued. But I think he is one of the most consistent platforms in the East outside of LeBron as a player that means what he means to the franchise. So uh, I look for them to do really good things. I know they, they go out on the road early. I think the rest that the NBA by adding two weeks to the schedule helps the Raptors because of uh, the amount of load that their two-star players have taken over the last four years. Where do you see the Raptors uh, in the in the pecking order in the East? Uh, closer to the top or closer to the middle of the pack? Uh, it depends on what they can do at home. All right, I've said this on your show, you know, over many times that the Achilles' heel for all Raptors teams is the ability to win games at home. Uh, if you win games at home, then more than likely you're going to land in the top four playoff spots and host home playoff games. And the Raptors fans have shown that 
as far as home court advantage and for the playoffs, they show up to cheer their team on. So I just there's a there's a formula that you know goes back 35 years. I don't think any team has gotten to the Eastern Conference Finals without winning 33 or 34 home games. Does Cleveland get weaker, Butch? No, I don't. I don't believe Cleveland. Cleveland gets Cleveland gets weaker from the standpoint of having one super talented point guard that can make a shot. But now I think they'll be more consistent and beat you more through the game that they won't be in that position. Well, one, how do they stack up against uh, probably Miami and Washington? And two, I think with Kevin Love going down the middle, uh, it's going to bring Tristan Thomas and J.R. Smith or uh, off the bench, which could make them a little bit better. Uh, they're going to balance that offense uh, a little bit more. Yeah, I, I agree with Lou's assessment on that. I think that they'll be more consistent. Uh, Cleveland will be the the thing with Cleveland is is LeBron healthy. If LeBron's healthy, you know he's he's just a monster in the locker room and and on the floor. He sets the tone for conditioning. Miami Heat, uh, probably the number one conditioned franchise in the East. Um, you know, body fat below six percent, uh, mandatory. Uh, it's not optional. Um, you know, uh, Coach Riley. You know, I had him as a young player. He's obsessive about uh, elite conditioning. And when we talk about elite conditioning, Miami has to be at the top. And then probably Atlanta and and, and I'd have to add Brooklyn to that now. So, but Miami, they're going to sit there and say, well, you know, we went on a great run and, and won a bunch of games in the second half of last season. You know, it's not relative. Uh, they signed uh, Kelly Olenek away from Boston. Just got to see how he... he uh, matches in. I had this argument with my nephew, Deron Carter, last weekend. I don't believe Whiteside is a very good player, but Deron grew up in Boca, so he's a Miami <laughs> Heat fan. <laughs> so so uh, I think it'll be uh, no one is going to blitz and go off to the end unless Cleveland gets an early rhythm, and I think that's the advantage Ra the Raptors have. Their core guys coming back, and if they can get a rhythm early uh, and and not go through uh, an injury period, I think they're in, in pretty good position. If they stagger around and uh, flop around with, with everyone else, then it's, it's going to be a problem. But normally in the first 30 games, all right, if you can establish who you are with the officials the first 30 games and how you play and your, and your win percentage, you know, you get to carry that over another 30 or 40 games. Who comes out of the West? <laughs> That's really strong now. There, well, There's it, four or five teams that could win there. there. There's, there's, there's four or five teams that play, but the best team is Golden State. All right? The, the, the best shooting team, the best rhythm team. And, yeah, there are a lot of other teams, but uh, San Antonio has a, very, has a very good way of disrupting rhythm. All right? They dominated Houston. You know, you go into a game and to win the game, you have to make 18 threes. You know, that's a crazy number. And then why is it crazy? Not because you're attempting it, because history says nobody wins four games making 18 threes, depending on one on one item in a basketball game. So Houston is, is, is selling a, a hot sauce, and whoever's buying that hot sauce, you know, they drink it and get drunk. But the reality is that Houston is not good in the playoffs from an overall basketball standpoint, defensive field goal percentage, point differential. So if Kawhi Leonard is injured, San Antonio is going to struggle against those Well, they, they did last year because I thought when, when he got hurt, uh, they were, what, 
25 points up on uh, Golden State, yeah. uh, they were done. How do you assess the, um, the development of the young talent on the Raptors? Uh, what, 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 player, what young players on the Raptors do you think may end up being difference makers? And where does their young talent uh, rank, let's say, with the rest of the, rest of the teams in the league? Well, Philadelphia you'd have to, would have to jump out as far as what's going to happen with their young talent because, you know, the, they coined the phrase trust the process, right? So uh, the young person I like is a young player named McKinney. Now, he's going to play on their D-League team, but when I watch the video, he's between the free throw lines. You know, for me, when I'm looking for talent, like who is the guy that is the best between the free throw lines? Offense to defense, defense to offense. This guy jumps through the screen like some of the top 15% of the guys that I like. Um, you know, again, I've not been in the locker room with him, don't know what his work ethic is, but just as on pure athletic ability, he's a guy that talent-wise should be able to play against playoff teams because the Raptors need guys that can defend. They don't need more offense. That's been their issue is how do you get DeMar away from the top-tier player on the other team in the playoffs so he's freed up to do what he does and that score – uh, bunches of baskets and free throws. Um, Bruno Cabolo, in my opinion, they need to cut bait and let him go. Uh, conceptually, he's not got it. He's in He's in the way of the other guys. Uh, it's always a t- tough thing for a general manager to, um, to get rid of a guy he drafted. Um, but I don't believe that he's stable emotionally or athletically enough to be a part of a playoff organization. Um, Miami's got a bunch of young guys. I know they'll be in shape. I don't believe they're talented as as uh, the Raptors' young guys. Winslow uh, can't make shots. Um, again, that'll be the draft pick. I believe they'll regret um, because he's not athletic enough, and he can't make a jump shot consistently to to help them win games. Um, Boston has two very good young guys. Uh, Tatum, I would worry about the wear and tear on him. Um, I'm not a fan, as you guys know, of playing young guys 82 games, uh, them being rookie of the year. I think that's a waste of time to put a 19-year-old, you know, as an aspiration when you want him to be very good for you at 21 or 22 when you when he has a chance to play for a max contract and provide huge value for your franchise. So, you know, as I look through the East on the young guys compared to the Raptors, the Raptors are in a very good spot. If one or two of their young guys can can replace Corey Joseph, um, so they need a backup point guard. And again, but the backup may be, end up being a starter because does Kyle really need to play eighty two games? You know, Butch, we got two minutes left, and I, I don't want to uh, want to make sure we get uh, this in before uh, before we leave today. Canadian Basketball League, yes, what's going on? Well, we're we're working really hard. I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm talking. I'm trying to expand to the West. All right, so that's really been my focus. I've been out west, Calgary, Edmonton, uh, spoke to uh, a gentleman in, in uh, Winnipeg, which I think would be, but I'd like to get four or five teams out west. That's really been my focus. Um, there is, There are some other things going on which uh, pertain, pertain to what I may be doing. Um, but I can't say anything right <laughs> okay. now. Um, but things things have been good. It's always it's always uh, great to work on this project because I believe long term that it'll have a very bright future. Well, we wish you the best of luck, Naz. We've got about thirty seconds left. I always uh, 
turn it over to you for parting shots. Uh, what's on your mind? How you want to leave? Well, the next today? game is Washington uh, against Toronto, the matchup of last year's first round for the Leafs. See what they do. We'll certainly, they play. we'll certainly look forward to that. Uh, Lou, we didn't get a chance to talk about Alabama today. We didn't get a chance to talk about Alabama today. Roll Tide. <laughs> Roll Tide. And uh, just, hey, listen, when you're winning 40, 41 to 3, uh, come and talk hey, to me. He's not happy. You know what? Happy. No, I'm not very happy. Uh, it, it's what Butch says. You know, you you got to play really, really well uh, against the really, really good teams. Right now they've played really well against the, the has-beens. And uh, come and talk to me after November 4th when they got LSU, Mississippi State, and Auburn. Well, big game for the Fighting Irish this Saturday. They yes. take on the Trojans in South Bend. Yeah. And uh, the uh, the Fighting Irish only have one 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 loss, so it's going to be a big game for them. Oh, yeah, a lot, lot of upsets yesterday. Certainly was. Yep. Anyways, uh, it's been another great week on the Nazawali Sports Hour. I wish all our listeners uh, a fantastic week. And Lou and Butch, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks, gentlemen. It was a great pleasure. Take care. Always is. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.